welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. I found an old episode story time with Kristen where I talked about my sister. I told the story about how she eloped and my memories with my sister and it was about a year ago that I recorded it and it was crazy to re-listen to it and just bask in all the things that have changed in a year. The reason I had recorded that episode is because I was in a period of time where I wasn't really on good terms with my sister. It had been like that for a while and my my soul was agonizing over it. It was so difficult for me to just deal with this reality that my sister and I were not close. We weren't sharing anything about our lives. Um, we weren't talking. We weren't we weren't talking. And um, the narrative in that episode I listened to, and um, it just it broke my heart because I realized, in hindsight, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. That while I was really doing my best with all the tools I had and the information I had, um, I was really, I really got a lot of it wrong and how to view the situation. Um, I'm proud of myself for not being worse in the situation, but now I sit here and just say, thank God for time and learning and and the redemptive power of time because when you when you're willing to just stay open to learning often you get the lessons that you need that give you what you want um so i had i recorded the episode because i had done a boot camp and we had these two girls these two sisters that would come to boot camp and this one particular sunday these two girls were working together so nicely on the beach. And I said, oh my gosh, I have a sister. When I was your age, my sister had just eloped and uh, I miss my sister. So be nice to your sister. And then I just, my heart kind of cried out audibly on the beach. I just, this kind of groaning sigh came out of my soul because I just, I spent so much time missing my sister and agonizing over the fact that we weren't talking and we weren't close. Um, my sister and I are two years apart and we grew up as the girls. We have an older brother. So there was Alan and the girls because we were close in age. And so you know, she was my everything. She's in my first memories. I can't imagine life without having a sister, having a big sister. And growing up, we would play together. She was my best friend. And then when we hit, you know, preteen, she's two years older than me, so she lost interest in a lot of the things that I was interested in, and I kind of got left behind as far as not having a playmate. But my sister always looked out for me, and after she eloped and got married as a teenager, um, she would come pick me up and take me shopping and take me to lunch and Um, when I got married and had my son, she helped take care of my son and we could come over and spend time with her. And when my husband at the time was awful, she would have me come over and just give me a reprieve. Um, when I split up from my husband, I would go stay with her. She fought for me. She stood up for me. She just was one of the most important people in my life, my whole life. And she just always had my back and there's just really no other way to say it. And um, my sister is a selfless person. She does 
so much for so many people. That's always been her MO. She, if you get married and you invite my sister to the wedding, she'll come to the wedding and sit at the reception, but then she will cut the cake and she will clean up and she will stay after and do dishes and she will help vacuum and put the tables back. And if someone in your family passes away, she will bring food. She will bring flowers. She will come to all the visitations. She will help serve cake. She will do all the things. Um, Some of her friends are some older ladies that she met in her um, community theater group that she was involved, she's been involved in for her whole adult life. Um, You know, as some of these older ladies have aged and their spouses have passed away, she's kept vigil at the hospital with people's spouses. She brings them food, takes care of them, drives them places. Even now, there's a whole bunch of older ladies that are widows or divorced, single old ladies, not old, but she goes out to dinner with them. She makes sure that they get out, that they have fun. They're, she just she takes care of people and loves on people. And she gives what she doesn't have to people who often take advantage of her. But she's never without what she needs because that is how, um, how love works. When you give all that you have, it does come back to you. And um, so even though she and I were not speaking, um, I've never been able to say anything but good things about her heart and character and so I just missed her so much and so the situation that led to us not speaking I still don't really know exactly all that happened I know what my reality was I don't really know what her reality was but to sum it up um we kind of went we kind of diverged on opinions on when my life changed a lot I left my second husband I had to really get out of that situation and I hadn't told my family what was going on. And so when I made a decision to make a change and move on, I I had made that choice. I had given it a try and given it a try. And when you're dealing with alcoholism, there's just, there's so much that goes into it that is hard to explain. But um, I knew that I had to move forward and I had to choose um, a different kind of life. But because my family didn't know a thing about this until it happened, they had to play catch up to process. And of course, they're, they were fresh. Like, oh, well, certainly you can give them another chance or you can get help. And you know, they, hadn't, they hadn't known that I had done all of that for a long time and that we had done rehab and treatment and all these things. And um, my sister had had an experience with her second husband with alcoholism that was very different from mine. But her her viewpoint and her understanding and her own scars you know, meant that she saw the situation differently than I did. And at the time, I didn't really understand this. Um, But it just led to us not seeing eye to eye and diverging parting ways. Um, And then as my niece grew up and my niece and I were close and my sister and I were not, you just can imagine the family dynamic really deteriorated. And um, overall, in my opinion, I was really quick to let my feelings get hurt. Now things happen that hurt my feelings, but when when I when I've been hurt a little bit and I have a narrative in my head about somebody, I mean I'm a, I'm looking for for evidence that this person is hurting me. I think that's what we do as human beings. Even if we we don't give people the benefit of the doubt and it's so easy to not assume that someone is doing their best when we've been hurt before. In fact, we do the opposite. At least I did the opposite. And so it was just tough. And when I moved down here to Florida, you know, lost lost even more 
touch with most of my family. I, I didn't talk to my family a whole lot for a while. It wasn't just my sister. Um, but kind of started to repair some of those relationships, just having that distance. And so when I got here to Miami two years ago now, I started doing a lot of reading. I started doing a lot more introspection on myself, working on my relationship with myself, healing from my past. And um, I encountered the books, The Four Agreements, The Voice of Knowledge, um, The Mastery of Self, um, and uh, The Voice of Love, I think it's called. But basically the Toltec Wisdom books by Don Miguel Ruiz and his son. And they talked a lot about... Understanding that the world as we experience it often has nothing to do with us and that others are doing their best, that we must do our best, not to take everything so personally, and that if we can come to the table with love and openness and let people be them without all of these um, stories, uh, healing can take place. That's it in a nutshell. So I, I determined that I wanted to try to do that with my family, to try to show up and just be the one that keeps it light, that doesn't bring up the old stuff, that tries to start over. And I did that successfully to a degree a couple of different times, but um, not really. Just kind of kind of zoom in, give it a try, and then uh, it would kind of fall apart and I'd zoom out, get my feelings hurt. But over the past year, last year, I did a lot of really, really deep work in trying to heal. And I did that by applying um, a lot of the things I learned about love and how powerful love is. I believe that love is the life force that's beating in our hearts. And it's the same life that spun the universe into motion. It's the same energy that makes the ocean waves crash and the sun shine. And we are connected and love is all there is. And so if I believe that, that love never dies and love is all there is, then the love that occurred between mother and daughter and sister and sister doesn't die. And the thing that mucks it up is circumstances, opinions, beliefs, ideas of who the other person is supposed to be, plus our story about them, our story about us, and our willingness to get hurt. And yeah, I said willingness, because I now see that my story about my sister was so, needed to be so correct that I was looking for reasons why she was hurting me. That now in hindsight, I don't believe we're there. But I think as people, and again, I shouldn't generalize, for me, I was willing to get hurt in order to support the story that my sister didn't like me and that she had it out for me and she would never see, see me the way that I am and that she couldn't stand me and that we were broken and it was all everybody else's fault. Now, there's two sides to every story and the truth is somewhere in the middle. So some of my experience was accurate and some of it was total BS and same for her. But we never talked about it. We never hashed it out. It was all assumptions and there was all kinds of talking behind each other's backs, all kinds of talking in the family and just a whole bunch of garbage going back and forth. And the only consistent thing was my brother would hear all of it. And he was consistently working to try to get each of us to maybe give each other a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Like, can you see, Kristen, how she might not have meant it that way? No, she just wants to hurt me. And I don't know what was said the other way, but I know he was doing the same thing on the other side, trying to get everybody to give each other a break. Um, 
But last year when I, when I had had this experience on the beach with my sister in my head and my heart, and I was just, my heart was hurting. I called my friend Mandy. My friend Mandy lives across the street and she, um, is amazing. She, uh, she leads Reiki, uh, sessions, is a Reiki healer. And then also she does breathwork sessions. So breathwork is basically a breathing pattern that she'll, that she'll guide a person into that allows for deep relaxation and allows you to access parts of your heart and your emotions that you otherwise can't access when you're just sitting in what's called beta in your brain. So I'd always wanted to try breathwork. So she came over um, because she had heard me in that boot camp speaking about my sister and she had heard that little cry that my heart had made. And she wanted to um, circle back with me about doing breath work. So she came over. We did the breath work session, which was beautiful. So basically, in case you want to know a little bit about what it's like, because um, I highly recommend this and she can do it remotely. She doesn't even have to be there with you. She can do it on Zoom. Um, She had me lay on my couch really nice and comfortably. She had some music to play, just light background music. And she just guided me into a breathing pattern. That was deep breathing. That's it. And it guided my my body into deep relaxation and then my heart and my mind into some topics that I had said before that I wanted to explore. And so it was beautiful. It was just um, soothing. My heart felt so light. I was able to just kind of float through my mind and in a dreamlike state. And um, then she asked me if there was anything that I wanted to ask myself, essentially. And I started sobbing and I started to just kind of moan, what do I do about my sister? What do I do about my sister? I miss my sister because even though all of this stuff had happened and there were hurt feelings, I just wanted my sister back. She's the most important person in my whole world. And I was in that breathwork session. I just felt this overwhelming image of being born, not of being born, but I had this image of my mom holding me in the delivery room and my sister as a two-year-old tiptoeing over and kissing me on the cheek. And I felt this rush of pure love in that moment on that breathwork session. And I just kept feeling and saying, she loves me. I love her. She loves me. And it was like my soul was reminding me that love never dies. That love in that moment when my sister first met me is pure and true and still there. And I just, I bask in that image. And when I came out of that breathwork session, I felt like there was something on my cheek. I kept touching my cheek where in my mind, my sister had kissed my little newborn cheek. And that feeling on my cheek stayed for days. It was such a powerful image and the feeling. And I decided from that moment on that I was just going to love my sister. And I'd talk about my sister and how much I love my sister. And I would replay that over and over again. And I even asked my mom if if my sister had come to the hospital when I was born. I said, did Rachel come and see me? And she said, no, I don't think so. So apparently that didn't actually happen, but in my heart of hearts, it did. And it just changed everything for me. I just, the narrative of the story and the hurt feelings and whatever, it just didn't matter. I just wanted my sister back. 
And I couldn't figure out how to accomplish it. I couldn't figure out how to, you know, do I just call my sister and hash all this stuff out? I mean, there's just so much water under the bridge. So many things said and unsaid and hurt feelings. I didn't really know what to do. But the opportunity came very soon after that to um, see my sister. And I saw her at dinner, went, in, went, went over to the other side of Florida to see my parents. They were down here for a month over on the Fort Myers side. And my sister was there. And so I drove over there and we went to... Um, to dinner and I was really nervous to see her because I hadn't seen her in so long and sat down at dinner my parents were there my son was there my niece was there my sister came in and sat across from me and it was just amazing to see her and I just looked across at her and I just said hey Rachel I love you and I'm sorry and I meant it I'm sorry for all the things blanket statement I'm sorry and she said I'm sorry too. I love you. And it was like it all was erased and we were sisters again. And it was it was incredible. Now it was a little tiny bit awkward still for the next couple of days just because I hadn't been around her in so long. But that was just erased. And was one person supposed to apologize first? I don't even know. I don't know who's, who hurt the other first. It doesn't matter. I know my hands weren't clean. And uh, I, I'm sorry. And I didn't, we didn't need to go over all the things that happened. I still don't even really know. But it was amazing. And since then, it's just been building and building and building. Rebuilding our relationship. Rebuilding our friendship. Rebuilding that love and respect between the two of us. Um, and it's just been it's been the greatest gift ever. And so when my niece got married in May, I uh, went back to Minnesota for the wedding and stayed with my sister in her house, which I, it, it's, it just blows my mind because I hadn't been to my sister's house in years, hadn't talked to her in years. And then boom, of course, you're going to stay with me. Um, she redid the guest room for me and Roy to come and stayed at her house and helped her with the wedding for my niece. And it was just like no time had passed and it was so redemptive and so much fun. And then came back to Minnesota in um, July for my bodybuilding show and stay with her again and got to spend time with her and her boyfriend. And then couldn't wait to come back and went back to Minnesota in August and stayed with her and went to the Minnesota State Fair and replicated all of these amazing memories that we had had as close sisters growing up and living in Minnesota. And it was just amazing. And there's this one moment in July when when I was visiting her, I had come and I had brought her, or maybe it was August, in the airport, I have found this bracelet and it was the color of the ocean and it had a little seashell term on it. And I thought, oh, Rachel would love this because she loves the beach. She loves the ocean. She has that all over her house. And so I picked her up this bracelet and brought it to her. And so when I was at her house, I gave her this bracelet and she said, oh my gosh, I love it. And she put it on. And then um, a couple of days later, I got up in the morning, went down to the bathroom and was, you know, doing my hair in front of the mirror and she had all her toiletries in there and in a pile of stuff on the kitchen sink was the bracelet and I saw it and it didn't really register, 
But then it hit me. A year ago, if I had been there and had given my sister a bracelet, and then two days later seen it discarded in a pile of stuff in the bathroom sink, my narrative would have been, oh, she sure liked it, huh? She just threw it in a pile. She'll probably never wear that again. Hmm, she probably put it there on purpose to just snub me. That 100% would have been in my brain, looking for a reason to be hurt by my sister. But because all of the poison was gone and sucked out of our souls through apology and starting over and meaning it, I saw the bracelet and it didn't say anything to me except my sister's not wearing this bracelet in this moment. It's sitting right here. Of course, someone is not going to wear a bracelet you give them 24-7. In fact, you probably won't wear it again. And guess what? I don't care. (laughs) the joy was in getting it and giving it to her and that's because there's no ill will there but it was such a stark reminder to me of how often I had been doing that well my story was my sister doesn't like me my family has cut me off because whatever their narrative is about me I was perpetuating the pain I was willing to be hurt in order to keep my narrative about them alive, in order to be right, in order to be the righteous one. And it's so interesting I never saw it. And I would stand in my righteous indignation that I was being the bigger person. Well, and I may have been once in a while. I really do think I did the best that I could most of the time. But this is where we all got to check ourselves. And say, when there are hurt feelings or there's tension between us and family members, how much of that are we perpetuating? How much are we hanging on to and for what? Why was I holding on to that? It's so much more beautiful now to just say, the past is in the past. I love my sister. My sister is giving and generous and hardworking and funny and and creative and incredibly wise and principled and loyal and all these beautiful things about her when I think about her and I say those things I'm full of joy and love versus my sister doesn't like me my sister has a narrative about me my sister hurt my feelings five years ago you know what the hell that was doing me no good and so the lesson in this has been for me to look at all of the people that I'm not close to look at all of the people that I say have harmed me and say is it true am I holding on to this Is this truly broken? Is this rift real? Am I making it worse? Am I holding the flame to the burn to keep it burning and to keep it from healing? What's my role in this? It's hard to do, especially when we have to say, oh, wow, I guess I have been wrong. I have been unforgiving. I have been stubborn. I have been unwilling to look at myself. But the joy, the joy on the other side of reconciliation is something that um, there's no words for it. I get Marco Polo's from my sister Naomi Marco Polo, and I get to hear about her life, and we say I love you, and um, I get to go and see her for Thanksgiving and stay with her at Christmas, and she's going to get married, and I get to be a part of her wedding, and, and it's just, it's all joy. And all I had to do, <laughs> all it cost me was the be to the first person just to say, I'm sorry. Like, just, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all of it. I'm just willing to take the blame. Even if there's more blame given to me than is supposed to, I don't care. And there wasn't. But what does it cost me to just say, I'm sorry? It was me. And then, of course, my beautiful, amazing sister didn't just let that stand. No, no, I'm sorry. I love you. 
So that's the redemption story of my sister. There's a lot more to it than that, but it would take forever to explain all of it. But the bottom line is I have my sister back. And my family, we all made this deal that we were all always going to give each other the benefit of the doubt for the rest of the way. And if I hear that one of them has said something that sounds like terrible about me, I am going to say, hmm, that can't be right. I don't believe that they would say that. I don't believe that they would feel that way. And I don't believe that any of that could possibly have been reported to me accurately because they would never do that. A hundred percent of the time, I'm going to choose to believe my family will never, ever intentionally hurt me, speak ill of me, be unsupportive of me, or do anything but love me with everything that they have. And any idea to the contrary, I'm just going to assume is a misunderstanding. And I'm asking them all to do the same for me. And what a lovely gift that we can all give each other the rest of the way to just make it all be love and assuming that everyone is just doing their best. So I'm excited coming up to the holidays to be able to bask in another holiday season where my family is sharing in the love. And, you know, I I just read, recently read a book that said that none of us should be preachers. None of us know enough um, to be able to tell anybody else what to do. Um, and so I won't tell any of you what to do, but I will invite you to look at your family relationships as the holidays come up. And if you have anxiety and stress about, oh, I'm going to go to the family dinner and my brother is going to be rude and my sister's going to be judgy and this is going to happen. And if you're already starting to build up your defenses and what you're going to say back, or maybe you're going to not go, or maybe it's already starting to weigh on you, or maybe you're already thinking of terrible, awful things, delicious things that you can say back when you get pummeled by them. I would invite you to consider what if, you went in 100% committed to being the one person in the room that does it different this year. Instead of saying a retort to somebody when they're mean to you, how about if you just determine that you're going to go in and just imagine that they're doing their best and maybe imagine that this is the last time you're going to be together. How would you behave if you knew this is the last time you were going to have a family gathering? If your brother says like, wow, you're such an idiot, you're always so stupid, maybe you could say, huh, that hurt my feelings. I really think so much of you. What if you were just honest about how it made you feel? What if you were honest about how you feel in a loving way? It's like, wow, you know, I love all of you so much. I just really want to reminisce today and just talk about all the good times. I really, really want to just focus on how much I love you, how much you mean to me, all the good things that have happened. Now that all sounds Hallmark movie-ish, but in your own verbiage with your own family, can you imagine a different way to show up this year? Can you imagine being the voice of love and fun and forgiveness this year in your family? Maybe you could do some work ahead of time. I wish that I had been more intentional. I wish that I had come to some kind of understanding of how important and how beautiful it could be a long time ago. I'm just grateful it happened though. But perhaps there's a way to intentionally do this instead of all of it falling together like it did in my case. It just fell together. But if you see your family, we don't know how much time we have. We don't know what's going to happen in our families, in our homes, in our country in the next year. And if you are heading into family dynamic fun. (laughs) Maybe you could be the one. Maybe you could be the one who makes it different this year.
I don't know. All I know is I'm so grateful they have my sister back. I get Marco Polos from her, which are video chats, and then they're over, and I just sit here and I giggle. <laughs> I love them so much. This is my sister. Uh, when I see I have one from my sister, I get all excited. I just, I've missed her so much. It's like the, it's just no words. So it's so wonderful to have healing in my family and um, and heal, healing with me. And uh, it's growth. And I, I hope, I hope that I've learned that lesson and I don't have to learn it again. And that I am not unforgiving and a pill going forward. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.